the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my turn. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, the program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. We have a great show planned for you today with great guests, and we'll go ahead and introduce our guests and our topics right now. I want to give a shout out, first of all, to our friend Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video for all of his invaluable help with today's production. Uh, part of our th- topics today will continue to honor President's Day on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Specifically, later in the program, I'll have a few words to share about America's first president, George Washington, and his indispensable leadership. Of course, his birthday was earlier, earlier this week on Wednesday, February the 22nd. Later, we look forward to being joined by Mary Sue Wynog, owner of one of Central Florida's true treasures, Wekaiva Island. Wekaiva Island has one of their biggest annual events coming up in just a few days, the annual Wekaiva Island paint out. But right now, we're very pleased to be joined by Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima. Sheriff, thank you for coming over. It's great to see you. Well, thank you so much for having me back on the show, and I appreciate being here. Just a little background about Sheriff Lima. Sheriff Lima is the 10th sheriff in the history of Seminole County. He was elected to office in 2016, was sworn in in January of 2017, and was elected for his second term in 2020. Sheriff Lima is a 31-year veteran of the Seminole County Sheriff's Office, and he has during his 31-year career, he's held essentially every rank prior to becoming sheriff. Sheriff Lima is also currently the president of the Major County Sheriffs of America, a national association that includes approximately 110 of the largest sheriff's office in the country. In January 2019, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody named Sheriff Dennis Lima chair of her Transition Advisory Committee Working Group on Opioid Abuse. Sheriff Lima works closely with Attorney General Moody and others gathering information related to the best practices to stop the influx of deadly opioids, treat addiction, raise awareness, and reduce the death toll of this crisis. And in July 2019, Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis announced the formation of a drug abuse prevention panel with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima to serve as chair. The focus of this panel will be to discuss and determine best practices and innovative solutions to combat drug abuse throughout the state, specifically as it pertains to Florida's youth. Well, Sheriff Lima, as I mentioned, you've been appointed by both Florida Attorney General Moody and Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis to lead multiple initiatives to combat drug abuse, specifically deadly deadly opioids in Florida. 
To start our conversation, can you give our listeners a brief overview of the landscape of the problem in Florida and what should citizens know about what's going on with respect to lethal opioids in Florida? I'd be happy to. I'd like to start um, really by just emphasizing the importance of our leadership here in the state of Florida. Uh, Our governor, our first lady, uh, our attorney general have been steadfastly committed to addressing and combating this and have been just uh, tremendous partners uh, across the country when it comes to serving as best practice. There's several phases that, that are incredibly unique to really describe this epidemic that we're faced with. And I think that the first that was going on for a good number of years was the overprescribing of Oxycontin pills. And this was kind of the first leg of this challenge. By now, many of our listeners have probably heard of the Sackler family or Purdue Pharmaceutical, particularly the manufacturer and maker of the drug Oxycontin. And at the time, they, they entered into a relationship with the, the FDA, which was the first time, by the way, the FDA has ever approved a new drug that looked very much like an advertisement. And as part of that advertisement, they said, with proper use of Oxycontin, the patient is less than 1% likely to become addicted to the substance. And we knew that that simply was not true. Medical experts, policing professionals across the country knew that you could do nothing more than rest this drug on your tongue, dilute it, inject it in your arm, snort it in your nose, and it becomes nothing uh, more than pure heroin. So we had the overprescribing across the country, uh, working with, at the time, Attorney General Pam Bondi and Governor Rick Scott, we were able to put what was called a prescription pill monitoring system together, which really cut down on how many pills a doctor was prescribing, how many pills a pharmacist was giving to a particular patient. So that no longer is an issue in the state. And sometimes that, that is confusing for a lot of people. We no longer have that. But when we close those operations down, and this was the 950 pill mills across the state, uh, at the time, 97% of the pharmaceutical-grade prescription pills on the street in this country were prescribed from one of those 950 pill mills in the state of Florida. But we did not consider where people would go if they had already become dependent on the substance of opioids. And what they started doing at first was what we called diversion. Because there was overprescribing, everybody's medicine cabinets were filled with pills that were unused. Kids started to go in. They started to raid their parents and grandparents' medicine cabinets. People would actually pretend like they were shopping for homes to do nothing more but to go into the bathroom and see what they could find in the medicine cabinet. That was the second phase. That was a a diversion phase. Third phase was people turned to heroin on the streets, which is a very intrusive way to use drugs. You know, organically grown and processed heroin through poppy fields, smuggled across the border. But if you take all of those phases, those last three phases that I talked about, and you combine them, there's less deaths in all three of those phases than in the fourth phase that we're experiencing right now. And this is the illicit uh, fentanyl trade that at first rogue chemists in China would manufacture uh, illegal uh, fentanyl to look just like the pharmaceutical grade Oxycontin pill. And then they would ship it over to other countries, get it into the United States. People would order it online. But now the two major drug cartels in Mexico have taken Chinese uh, supplies and equipment and have learned how to manufacture this drug. And they're doing it at record numbers. More than 100,000 people dead last year. The number one cause of death of young people in this country is a uh, drug-related overdose, particularly with fentanyl. 
six out of every 10 pills that are on the street contain a lethal dose of fentanyl. And for your listeners, let me, let me describe what fentanyl is, right? A microgram, the equivalent to eight grains of salt, is a lethal dose. It's not even visible to the human eye. Fentanyl is 100 times more potent than morphine, 50 times more potent than heroin. This is what we're dealing with right now. In Seminole County alone, uh, we had, a, for the last two years, about 150 people who had died, and that's lower than other jurisdictions in the contiguous area and, and others around the state. And then we deploy public safety, police officers, firefighters, deploy the life-saving drug naloxin more than 800 times to bring people back to life. Friends, we're glad you're joining us on the Roger Frank and Williams Show, presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. We're pleased to be speaking with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima on the program today. And I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Sheeler Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair, but that's where I take my car. And Sheriff Lima, why don't we pick it up there and um, and we've got about th- three minutes for our next break. And if, if we need to, we'll, we can pick things up at, when we come back from break. But you know, we were talking off the air about some of the, um, you know, and obviously, as we're hearing from you, this is a complex problem, both in terms of uh, people that use and become addicted and uh, and also just uh, how did how law enforcement goes around dealing with it one of the elements is stricter um you know enforcement if you will uh, consequences for those who um are catalyst if you will for a a, a, a person a citizen uh, having an overdose and, and dying from an overdose yeah so so we worked uh last uh legislative session here in the state of Florida uh, with Representative Scott Plakin and Senator Jason Broder to, to create HB 95. It was, the, it was the bill that went through the Florida House of Representatives. And uh, uh, Governor DeSantis showed special interest in this, what actually increased the minimum mandatory sentencing for any person dealing in fentanyl and cleaned up some of the language. Like, like just in a couple of blocks away from here, we had a drug treatment facility that was marketed and branded to help people but the person that was actually running the facility was called Simply Recovery down in Altamont Springs. Uh, the person that was in charge of that was actually administering drugs on the inside of the establishment. So you can see the, the concerns there. We increased the penalties for, for uh, selling in proximity to an area where somebody was trying to get clean. And I'm proud to say in Seminole County, we have nearly 35 prosecutions for first-degree murder uh, for, for people who are dealing deadly doses of drugs. And we have a new legislative effort this year that would tighten up uh, a couple of things. One is the, is the language that is required to prosecute these cases as murder. Uh, right now, it is, it is a substantial factor. And the language substantial factor is, is a burden of proof that is difficult for prosecutors. We're working to have that change to, to contributing factor. Uh, the second thing that we're looking to do is to be able to charge every drug dealer with a second-degree felony for culpable negligence if they deal a, a dose of drugs, if we can prove that they did, and it's easy for us to prove that they did, and we revive uh, the person with Narcan. Prevention, awareness, education, treatment, and enforcement is the recipe and strategy to get us out of this. Friends, glad you're joining us today on the Roger Frank and William Show. Right now we're speaking with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima. We'll be back with Dennis Lima in just a moment after we take a, a brief break. Before we go to that break, I want to give you this word from our friends over at 
Miller Sod Sales, let you know that Miller Sod Sales strives to do their best for every customer every time. Miller Sod Sales takes great pride in their clean, well-maintained equipment, their honest, dependable work, and their fresh, quality sod. Let Miller Sod Sales green up your life. Family-owned and operated since 1995. And you can find out more at John Miller Trucking and Sod Sales.com. That's John Miller Trucking and Sod Sales.com. And of course, I also want to give a shout out and a hello to our friend, Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic and Burn Fat Orlando. And as you know, Dr. Patrick St. Germain supports all the programs you hear right here on AM 950 and FM 94.9, The Answer. And Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic have recently been voted best chiropractor for now 16 years in a row. Please stay with us. On the, we'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. We're pleased to be joined today by Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima joining us in studio. We'll go back to Sheriff Lima in just a moment. Of course, the Roger Franklin Williams Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. And Christner's is where you'll find generous cuts of prime beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. Reservations recommended and you can get those at 407 645 44 Four, three. And I also want to let you know that the great people at Florida Door Solutions support our program and all the programs you hear right here on AM 950 and FM 94.9, The Answer. And our message is a patriotism and support for our free enterprise system. So if you have garage door problems of any kind, Florida Door Solutions has your solution. And you can find them at 866-FLA-DOOR. That's 866 866- FLA door, Florida door solutions. Now let's go back to Sheriff Dennis Lima. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, um, at the top of our show, Sheriff Lima in January of 2019, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody named Sheriff Dennis Lima chair of her transition advisory committee working group on opiate abuse. And in July of 2019, Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis announced the formation of a drug abuse prevention panel with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima to serve as chair. And let's go back to Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima. And you, in our first segment, Sheriff, you gave us a, a, a broad overview of just the problem in general of substance abuse disorder, um, the fentanyl problem, crises, um, and all these are very complex issues. Another problem that's related is the issue of uh, drug abuse to drug abuse and the use of abuse of lethal opioids are the ongoing efforts surrounding mental health. Can you speak to the larger issue of mental health issues in Florida? Yeah, absolutely. What we've before I go there, one of the things that I did not mention in the first segment that I think is so incredibly important when it comes to shaping this drug problem in our in our country is is the mess that we have going on at the southern border. Right when when people are coming across the border in record numbers and there's drugs you know coming across, I mean that it is so incredibly important to focus 
uh, resources to make sure that we, we stop that, that we, again, hold people accountable, and we recognize now that you cannot be addicted to a substance without having a co-occurring, co-present mental health condition that goes along with it. And when we had across this country this deinstitutionalization effort 30 years ago or so, uh, the, the people were turn away, turned away from the state uh, mental health facilities, and they end up in our correctional facilities, in our prisons, in our homeless camps. So there is a, there is a huge void, and there's a misunderstanding uh, about somebody who's in crisis. Like here in the state of Florida, we have a law called the Baker Act Law. And the Baker Act Law has been intended for people who are in a critical state of crisis, to the point where they are suicidal or homicidal. And then if they meet those categories, they can be involuntarily admitted for treatment for up to 72 hours, right? But in most regards, society thinks that surely if somebody is taking under a Baker Act, and let's call that condition crimson red, a crisis, surely that they're going to be okay and better by the time that they're released. And I would argue that by the time that they're released from involuntary admission into a facility, they're just a later or, or a lighter shade of red when they're released back into the community. Like if we sat and had lunch and I said, you'd be incredibly proud of me. It's been six months since the last time I was involuntarily admitted for a mental health condition where I was going to harm myself or harm somebody else. You would probably say that does not seem like it's that long ago. So what we're doing now is we're trying to kind of shape the number and provide additional resources, and we do that by creating a public-private partnership. We know that if you are the son or daughter of somebody who's addicted to a substance, mentally ill, incarcerated, you are 13 times more likely to engage in maladaptive behavior yourself. Or the argument there is, unless we fix this, we end up raising generations of families on our tax dollars because... The, the system of, of family services have been broken. Now, um, our governor, um, our, our cabinet members, and our various secretaries of our state departments here in Florida have invested more resources into combating this problem uh, than, in, than in my 31 years. I mean, they are fully committed to doing what is right and, and to, to make sure that, that we provide service to, to our citizens to the point where the the governor has, by executive order, a state mental health uh, council and task force that's meeting right now to discuss kind of best practices and move that down. But to shape the number, in Seminole County alone, we involuntarily admit nearly 3,500 people uh, every single year under this this Baker Act. Uh, Advent Health has been incredibly generous. They've created this first-of-its-kind Hope and Healing Center in Seminole County. And then when the private sector companies and corporations heard that we were doing this, they came down with their money and, and helped support it financially. Half a million dollars from Walmart executives right in my office to support the effort. Uh, they came back the second year with a $250,000 gift. All of this is private sector money. So when you have a state that does not have expanded Medicare, Medicaid, and you have private sector money coming in to help people who are in crisis, it is incredibly important because, let's face it, um, uh, the people who are suffering a mental health condition that is undiagnosed and untreated present a greater risk to public safety. Uh, We've had two deputy sheriffs killed in the line of duty over the past 110 years by somebody who suffered a mental health condition that was not being properly treated. 
and the amount of, of homicides and murder-suicides that we've dealt with over the years because people weren't getting the help that they need. I think that we can do better. Our philosophy is crime is a symptom of another problem, and if we can treat those underlying conditions that lead people down the path to commit crime in the first place, we're doing our community and our organization and our nation a great service. Towards the top of the list is substance use, mental health, and poor parenting. All three of those things are core to our fundamental philosophy. Friends, glad you're joining us today on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. We're speaking with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima. We're talking about, in general, about the problem of substance abuse and specifically opioid, lethal opioid abuse throughout the state of Florida and in Seminole County specifically and in Seminole County, Sheriff Lima's efforts to combat these problems. Of course, as we mentioned before, Sheriff Lima is an expert on these issues. In January of 2019, he was appointed by Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody to chair her Transition Advisory Committee Working Group on Opioid Abuse. And in July of 2019, Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis announced the formation of a drug abuse prevention panel with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima to serve as chair. Before we go back to Sheriff Lima, I want to, of course, let you know about our friends over at Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair. And, of course, with the weather having already gotten warmer, it's a good time to remind you that Apopka, the guys at Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair have everything you need for all of your lawn and garden needs this spring and summer and even, obviously, before spring and summer. And they also sell only the best power equipment, outdoor power equipment products and lawnmowers in the business. And you can find out more about them at apopkamore.com. That's apopkamore.com. Apopkamore and Equipment Repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. Now let's go back to Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lehman. Uh, Sheriff, can you touch briefly? We've got about three minutes before our next break, and it's great to hear that you'll be able to stay with us for a few more minutes after the break. But, you know, once again, we were talking off the air about some of the, the, the multifaceted approaches to um, helping to, you know, combat and prevent uh, opiate abuse, drug abuse, and, you know, everything from, as you said, being proactive and dealing with mental, mental health issues, as you've talked about. But also on the other side of that is, is the enforcement um, for the people, the real criminal element, uh, particularly the dealers that, that are involved in, in, in the whole drug scene. Can, can you just address some of these, uh, you know, the, the two or three or four of the, 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 the various uh, you know, ways that, that you go on both ends of the spectrum? Yeah, we have a strong voice in the space of enforcement, and, and we tell people that you can do nothing more than to forensically examine the phone of the decedent. Uh, if you look at the, the frequently called numbers, one of the top five most frequently called numbers is going to be the drug dealer. Uh, look at it and, and go and put them in jail. And there absolutely has to be consequences uh, to the fullest extent of the law when it comes to the drug dealer. They're capitalizing on this. While at the same time, it's important that um, your listeners and viewers understand that this is, this is a problem that we've never experienced before. Because typically, you know, during the Reagan era, we heard the whole message and branding of just say no. And just say no absolutely works if you've never started, right? So we want to encourage people to abstain, stay away from drugs, never start. But what happened here was people were just reading the side of the prescription bottles that they were receiving. And they got hooked and addicted, not because they were using gateway drugs or experimenting with other substances, 
because they were following the doctor's orders and they went down that path. So what they need is uh, the gold standard for treatment, medical-assisted treatment, and cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, we've got now 35 prosecutions for first-degree murder. We're actually picking up communications. We're working with the DEA at the highest levels to include uh, DEA Administrator Ann Milgram. We have constant conversations with them and her team and, and the work that we're doing here. But, but drug dealers are saying, don't go into Seminole County and do that because if you do, they're going to charge you with murder and they're going to put you in prison for a long time. We just had a conviction uh, for 15 years in prison just recently. So, again, the word is getting out there. Thank you, Sheriff Dennis Lima, sharing various perspectives on the problem of opiate abuse, drug abuse throughout the state of Florida and actually throughout the country. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll continue to be joined by Sheriff Dennis Lima. And then a little bit later, we look forward to being joined by Mary Sue Weinog, the owner of Wekaiba Island, about an exciting annual event coming up at Wekaiba Island very soon. Just a matter of days, actually, the annual Wekaiba Island paint out. And we look forward to hearing all about that on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with Sheriff Dennis Lima of Seminole County and a little bit later with Mary Sue Weinog of Wekaiba Island. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. We're glad you're joining us today. Thank you for the opportunity to join you. Of course, Roger Franklin Williams Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. And I want to give a shout out to our friend Vito Fear of Network Sound and Video, uh, Network Sound and Video, Vito and Rhonda. Of course, you hear about every day right here on our stations about the great work that they do to help preserve our memories. Networks on a video is where your memories can last forever. But I want to give a special shout out to Vito this week. He kind of went over what well, did go over and above helping me with some technical uh, situations that are going to enhance our ability to do on location interviews. Um, and Vito actually invested quite a bit of time in helping me get all set up. Uh, we launched last night with a uh, a live show over at uh, St. Andrew's Pub for our Talking Old School program. And uh, Vita was instrumental in all those efforts to help us, um, and I wanted to share that with you. Also, want before we go back to Sheriff Lima, thank Commission, um, Seminole County Clerk of Court Grant Malloy for his help with putting together today's program, and also Brian Beyer of the Seminole County Sheriff's Office. And Brian's joining us. Brian, thank you for all your help in putting today's presentation together in, in a variety of different ways. Mary Sue's joining us in studio, and we'll hear from Mary Sue at, uh, from, we, from Week Island a little bit later in our show. And, and now let's go back to Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lehman. And I want to once again remind you that he's a national authority on the issue of fighting drug abuse, the problems related to drug abuse and opioid abuse. And in 2019, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody named Sheriff Lima to chair her Transition Advisory Committee Working Group on Opioid Abuse. And in July of that year, Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis announced the formation of a drug abuse prevention panel with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima to serve as chair. Let's go back to, to Sheriff Lima. You know, and, and Sheriff, you gave us a, you know, a, a, a great overview of the, the, you know, the, the complexity of the problems involved with opioid abuse, drug abuse, um, from all different perspectives. Uh, now, um, you 
as we were talking off the air, you, there are some things that, that are doing, some initiatives that you're involved in that can help um, help to, to, to start to, to solve some of these problems and combat some of these issues. And can you just address some of those in our final segment? Yeah, so, so you know, we, we have a strategy, and everything that I listed out in the first uh, two segments has really only been made more complicated on the heels of COVID, right? So, so look, I'm not a medical doctor, obviously, but what we know and what we've seen in our space is sheltering in place, wearing a mask, not being around other people socially has a negative consequence on one's dependency on substances and, and their mental health. Like you can imagine, especially with the adolescent mind, right? If you, if you were going to school and at 15 COVID hit and you spent the next year and a half sitting in front of a computer screen, not being around your friends, and you miss these social interactions where things just don't go well, meaning that you're, you're in the cafeteria and your relationship falls apart in front of other people and you have somebody at home that you can go home to and talk about it with somebody that cares about you and loves you. If you miss those opportunities and the first time that you're experiencing something that feels depressing, you're off on your own at the university, you're off on your own in the military, or you're off into the workforce, it, it, is, it is incredibly dangerous. So we've seen a significant increase in the amount of, of uh, suicide attempts from young people. 25% of our kids, in most recent stats, 25% of our kids have seriously contemplated suicide in the past two years. So this is a crisis. Uh, our great partners at Advent Health, who go in with this significant partnership every single year, have agreed to expand this. I went to our, our, our wonderful board of county commissioners, our city mayors and managers, and collectively, we came together with $9 million of the American Rescue Relief Funds to create the first-of-its-kind mental health receiving facility that Advent Health will take care of all of the clinical staff at this new center. It'll be located across from the hospital on 436, and anybody will be able to drop in uh, regardless of their ability to pay. Uninsured, underinsured, it will be offsetted by the private sector donations and monies that are raised and not fall exclusively on our tax dollars. We know, again, by getting people healthy and clean and on the path towards sobriety, not only helps them, but it helps generations of people to follow. So that will be opening sometime later this year. We'll have a formal announcement uh, about it, but Advent and Walmart and, and these corporations that have a vested interest have been incredibly helpful, not only with providing resources, time, effort, and energy, but to uh, help shape the narrative. I said early on in this epidemic of, of substance use dependency and, and, and this crisis, which, by the way, President Trump had declared a national state of emergency years ago. Uh, Governor DeSantis, as soon as he took office, uh, declared a state of emergency for the state of Florida. And then COVID hit, and it seemed like everybody was talking about COVID every day when this problem was continuing to brew. But, you know, we, we have this strategy, we, we have this solution, but what I've said was this is not a situation in most regards where we're trying to make uh, uh, bad people good, but rather sick people well. And if we treat the people who are addicted to substances like patients, if we give them the medical-based treatment and cognitive behavioral therapy that they need, and at the same time work to secure our southern border and hold drug dealers accountable to the fullest extent of the law, 
while at the same time continuing to advocate for that Reagan-era message, just say no, we can find a path out of this and, and, and do good for our, our country and community. We're speaking with Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And just like to, uh, to add to something that you said and um, about the, the isolation that was all part of the whole um, COVID you know, situation. And, and I, I you know, appreciate your insight there. And I agree uh, very much because I remember one of the first things I thought about when the lockdowns were really happening, you know, and, and we all remember the momentum for those things just, just you know, was, was tremendous. It was like an avalanche. And I was personally, you know, speaking for myself, just thinking, do we really need, you know, this degree? And, and one of the first things I thought about was people that, that are emotionally fragile, um, people that do have you know, alcohol abuse issues, drug abuse issues. And I'm just thinking it's not going to be good for them to be, to be, have this kind of isolation, particularly in, in an atmosphere where you've got a, a, a crisis going on to begin with. And so anyway, I just appreciate your comments there and, and, and in your efforts to, 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 to recognize those people that, you know, th- that really had that thrown upon them, if you will, while they're already struggling with a, with a massive problem to deal with and in your efforts to help, help them specifically. Yeah, well, thank you. That I mean, it really shapes the problem, right? We know recovery is very much a social type of activity. And even with the reports of abuse, neglect, and abandonment of children, those reports actually decreased when the amount of victimization increased. So there you have it. I mean, it's a, it's a crisis like we've never experienced before. Uh, we've identified it now. We're working our way out of it. You know, I don't pretend to, to know what the right move was at the beginning of the, of, of the COVID stuff, but I, I think we figured it out now and we know what's, what's good and healthy for our, our citizens. Sheriff Lima, it's been great to have you join us on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Thanks for spending so much time with us and sharing great information with our listeners. Um, anything else before you go that you'd like to share that's a priority? Yeah, yeah I, I think a, a priority is, is exactly what we have here in uh, Central Florida, uh, the state of Florida for that matter, and, and especially Seminole County is is this is a unique profession that attracts the good, honest, hardworking men and women in spite of what some people will create this false narrative in other parts of the country. But, you know, we've got a great governor that has incentivized the the police work here. He has gone out and assisted us with attracting the best of the best from from across the country to come here. But, But all of that is nice, but people serve in these positions. People serve their military and serve their, their, their uh, community in a police officer or deputy sheriff positions because our citizens appreciate their service. And for that, I am incredibly uh, thankful to serve as uh, sheriff of this organization and to be a representative of the men and women that put that badge on every single day and protect our domestic and international freedoms. Thank you for being here and, and thank you for sharing. One more thing before you go, we've got a couple minutes before our break. And I'm um, I just obviously you've de- devoted a, the biggest part of your life to serving the citizens in law enforcement, specifically as we talked about, thirty-one years with the Seminole County Sheriff's Department. Specifically, could you share with us a little bit about what led you to choose law enforcement as your career path? Yeah, so so you know I I, I was in the Marine Corps as well. So as a, as a United States Marine and and a lifetime a public servant in policing, I I half jokingly say that as soon as I was old enough to know that superhero was not an occupational choice that I could actually have, I knew that I wanted to find a calling and a profession that got me close to the same feeling that, that, that I would get if I was actually a superhero. And I think that that is a similar narrative to the men and women that are chosen to this profession. 
you know, we're not bashful as sheriffs to talk about that this is, this is God's work that we do, and it's a calling to be able to, to protect and serve people. And I tell somebody who's never been in this business, I said, you are, you are forever attracted the first time that you get a call for service in the middle of the night that a woman is barricaded in her closet hiding from a home invader, and you can get to the house, rescue the woman, and bring her children to safety and catch the bad guy all in one night. As soon as you experience that, you'll be back every single day looking for that level of fulfillment. And that is, that is what we're privileged to do for our citizens every single week and every single day. And I'm so proud of the people that are out there doing it. We appreciate what you do, um, specifically all the members, all of our law enforcement. But also it's important to ha- for law enforcement to have leadership, too, and to have good leadership. And um, we appreciate what you do in, in your role as the sheriff, as the leader as well. Thank you so much. Friends, we're going to go to a, a quick break on the Roger Frank and Williams show. When we come back, we'll speak with Mary Sue Wynog of Weekiva Island about the upcoming Weekiva paint out. And before we go to that break, once again, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Sheeler Auto Repair and let you know about those guys. I've had the blessing for literally over 20 years of knowing when that uh, you know, red light goes on in my car, I've got somewhere I can take it, that where I can trust. And I, that's why I'm so enthusiastic about letting you know about them as well. Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair, and they're located at 1908 South Orangebossom Trail, Apopton. Well, friends, we'll be right back on the Roger Frank and Williams Show. And once again, thank you to Sheriff Dennis Lima for joining us. Thank you, Brian Beyer, for all your help with today's program. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. It's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. Right now, we're pleased. It was great to speak with Sheriff Dennis Lima and appreciate him coming over, spending so much time with us, and sharing great information about his efforts and his leadership efforts, not just in Seminole County, but nationwide, as you heard, to find solutions and combat the problem of opiate abuse and drug abuse in not just Seminole County, but in our entire state and nation. Right now, we're going to shift gears, and we're pleased to be joined by our friend Mary Sue Weinog of Wekaiva Island, one of the true wonderful places here in Central Florida, Two treasures, actually. And, th- of course, Weekhive Island has a great event coming up, their annual Weekhive Island paint out. And we're going to hear from Mary Sue all about it. And that's coming up in just a few days. And Mary Sue, great to see you. Thanks for coming over. Great to see you, Roger. And just uh, why don't we start by talking about the paint out. Give us uh, the days and the dates. It's going to take place. A little thing about what's going to take place there. And then we'll talk more about Weekhive Island in general. Okay. So it starts on Sunday, the 26th. The artists come in on Sunday. And um, so they'll bring a piece of art, and they're going to start painting their auction pieces, which is Wednesday for the auction. Um, but they'll be hanging art starting on Monday, really. So 24 artists. We have a photographer that's really good. He f- photographs nature, and um, we're pleased to have him. He'll be up in the gallery, and then all the other artists will be down in the wet gallery. So we want everybody to come to the wet gallery and then go up to the gallery upstairs, Gallery Zero. Um, it lasts through March 4th, uh, Wednesday's the auction, uh, Friday night's a sunset painting, and Saturday night is our gala. 
and we have Life on Mars with Dave Schweitzer playing for us this year. So it'll be a good, fun time. It sounds like a lot of great events all rolled into one, and um, you'd like to uh, highly encourage people to attend. I'm looking forward to getting over there myself, and as I said before, Wekaiva Island is just really an oasis of, of natural beauty here in Central Florida, and it's truly one of the last vestiges we really have, especially as a public place to go, uh, that reflects the old Florida, the beautiful old Florida, the natural old Florida that, that some of us had the, the blessing to grow up with. Yeah, it's not like it used to be. It's a, we changed it a little bit and cleaned it up and made it really nice. So people that haven't been there in 10, 15 years will find things a little bit different. But, you know, we tried to keep that old fish camp charm. So it, yeah, you it did looks a, a really wonderful nice. job of, of preserving just all, all the wonderful things about about that area. Now, can you talk? Wh- where did you get the the idea for, to have the paint out and tell us about how it, the concept hall started? So the paint out used to be run by the Friends of Wakaiva the first couple of years, and it was called Riverfest, and they held it at the state park, and then we took it over on year three, and we've done it every year since, and we've held it at Wakaiva Island, and the state park still, like they did prior, puts the artist up in the youth camp every year so we take over all of the cabins there for the paint out and so keep someone beautiful which is my organization and wakaiva wilderness trust wakaiva wilderness trust which is don philpot um he's putting together the serenity garden in the state park and it's supposed to capture you know people that are blind people that are deaf people that um may have um what are the young kids they have ADD and stuff like that. Like, it's supposed to, it's a sensory garden. Autism. And Autism, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Um, you know, supposed to capture and, you know, be for everybody, like anybody, but especially for those people that may be hearing impaired or sight impaired or have autism. So. Now, can you talk, why don't you take a step back and talk about just how you and your husband, Bill, right, mm-hmm. um, came to, to be the owners of Wekaiva Island and, you know, what drew you there and why you've chosen to put such a commitment into it. Because, you know, once again, speaking as a native Floridian and um, native of Orange County, actually, even technically Wekaiva Island is in Seminole County, but it's <laughs> right there on the line. Um, you know, we'll go back to the days of the, the Wekaiva Marina and, uh, and the, the Freeman family and what a wonderful place that was to go and kind of a kind of a hidden uh place to go. Not a lot, a lot of people even knew about it, I don't think. Um, the lo- it was like a local's kind of a, well, a I secret. Think, you know? I think a lot of people knew about but, it, but okay. I think when we came down there and started cleaning it up, people but, really came down but, in droves. But, but, but then what what happened was, you know, eventually, um, I guess it changed hands, there was a fire, and, right. um, and, so, and I think that it, 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 laid, it was vacant for quite a while, wasn't it? Or, or, no, it, or it just um, never really uh, after it, the kind Freemans, of lost its luster there for, yeah, for a while, I guess. After the Freemans, the Dowds owned it, owned it and it, I guess... Grandpa Dowd bought it, and there was five sons. One had passed away, so I think there was four when we bought it. But we lived green at home, and Bill wanted some place to showcase, you know, like you can still make money and have a green business. And we we do, and we are. So he had initially wanted to buy King's Landing, and the Loomises were already in the process of that deal. And, you know, we know Mayor Brian Nelson, and they were all like, please don't mess up our deal. Go buy the Wakaiwa Marina. So it wasn't for sale, and Bill's a good good negotiator, and we ended up just we ended up getting it, and you know just started cleaning the place up. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit more for those that had not uh, been to Wekaiba Island, just a little bit about what, what you'll find there. So I'll, I'll end with 
the probably the best part. But <laughs> we rent canoes, kayaks, and paddle boards, and we have cabanas along the river. So I do the leisure reservations, and my sister-in-law, Bill's little sister, does the corporate reservations. And um, we just have really grown the, the cabana business. Um, so COVID was not bad to us. People used to come in and just hang out, and when COVID hit, we told people that they couldn't just come in and hang out. You needed to rent a canoe, kayak, or paddleboard, or rent a cabana, and our sales went up in those areas because people wanted to be outside. They didn't want to be cooped up inside any longer. So we've just, you know, our cabanas have really taken off, and people still want to be outside, and, you know, people are still getting COVID. My husband and I just had it last month, you know, and we're triple vaccinated, so he had it for the third time. I had it for the second time. So just wish this would all get behind us. But um, what was your question? Did I answer yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, well, yeah because there, there's so much there that um, yeah, I just want people to know about all the oh, wonderful, wonderful And we have things. a bar. We, have, we sell beer and wine. So we have a little uh, gift shop. And in the gift shop is where we set up music on Friday and Saturday nights from 7 to 11. Yep, so live music, you have some great live action. local bands. Um, and then upstairs we have an art gallery, you know, we were going to put a restaurant up there, and some people didn't want us to, so we ended up making it an art gallery. So you can go find all kinds of great art up there. And it's you know, the true, natural, old Florida theme and vibe. Basically, every there, everything there is just uh, so, so natural. So all of our wood is all, like, mostly cypress. So, like, we go to JNS Cypress and get our chairs and stuff like that and our tables and things, and it's all Florida wood. So, you know, like if he makes a chair and he screws it up, you know, it might go into the mulch pile, but like nothing goes to waste. So, and we've just done a really cool table under our solar array and there's big long benches. It's like a community table and, um, you know, like tree stumps you can sit on. So it's just cool. So you can, you know, we found something like that in Spain and then my husband's like, oh, I want to do that here. So, and then we're changing our sand cabana to something called the beach club. So people will get, be able to get food and drink. You know, somebody can go, will go run and get their foods and their, you know, the food and drink and bring it to them and they can just chill out in this area. So It's just a beautiful yeah. natural setting. Friends, we're speaking with Mary Sue Weinog, who with her husband Bill own Wekaiba Island and they have one of their top annual events coming up, uh, actually starting uh, uh, Sunday, um, the annual paint out at Wekaiba Island. And, yeah, just, and also want to emphasize you're right there on the river. I mean, in fact, if, if you've, there, you've got the, the Adirondack chairs where you can just sit in an Adirondack chair and, and, and just watch the kayaks uh, go by. And you watch just, the water flow. <laughs> it's a very calming, just a very uh, very peaceful setting. And A lot of people call it their sanctuary and, you know, like their mental health. They go downriver and just enjoy the serenity of it. And as you, you've got a nice little bar there, you can have a beer or a glass of wine and while you relax. And a lot of great people are there. And then, as you said before, on the... Friday and Saturday night, you have live music as well. Yes. And that's in addition to running the kayaks and, and right. all, the, all the natural activities that, that, that you, can, you can engage in as well. Well, Mary Sue, can you, t- can you talk a little bit more just about you know, some of those specific uh, events of the paint out? Uh, you know, share a little bit more about those with us. Sure. So the artists will come in, and the deal we have with them is if they sell a piece of art for $1,000, they get 500 and the... Two benefactors get the other 500 and after we pay all of our bills, then we split it between the two benefactors, and that's what we net. Last year was our biggest year ever, so we're hoping to beat that this year. Uh, we have a lot of great sponsors this year. I don't know if you want me to mention sure, that. One of, so one of mine is one of yours. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, Wayne Dench, of course, 
with Neutral and Stella, Certified Financial Group, Christners. Christners are great friends of ours. Uh, Wells Fargo Advisors, Seminole State Foundation, and of course, uh, Tourism for Seminole County. We love them. Um, and then Denali Wealth Group is another one. So we just got a lot of great sponsors this year. It's the annual, we love Christmas. And you'll paint out at Wekaiva Island. And you know, can and can, how do you describe the location? Where we are. So we're at, if you know where Hunt Club Boulevard is, you just take that until you can't drive any further, and you hang a right into our property. Crossover Wekaiva Springs turns into Miami Springs, and we're right down there on the river. We're at the bottom of the hill. We're right yeah. next to the state park. We're one mile from their entrance. Off the beaten path, Wekaiva Island and their annual paint out is coming is taking place actually right now well friends it's been great to have you join us today mary sue anything else you'd like to share for details about the paint out you can go to wakivapaintout.com we have gala tickets available uh, if you still want to be a patron you can then you can enjoy all the things we have the artist welcome dinner uh, tuesday night and thursday night we have wine and beer tastings the auction so all your money that you put towards that is an art credit so you can use that 100% on art, depending on what level you get, you can bring either just yourself or you can bring some friends with you. So the higher the level you get, the more people you can bring included under your tab, if you will, your, your patron patronage. Awesome. A lot of great activities at the annual paint out for Wekaiva Island. Well, friends, it's been great to be with you today. I want to thank Mary Sue Wynog for coming over. Great to see you again. You too, Roger. Thank you. Appreciate everything you do at Wekaiva Island. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. And also, it was great to have Simon County Sheriff Dennis Lima joining us on the show today as well. I want to give a shout out and thank you to, to his uh, chief of staff, Brian Beyer, for all the help with today's program. And of course, Seminole County Clerk of Court, Grant Malloy. Well, friends, it's been great to be with you today. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.